Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, my name is Philip Brand, if this is your first time here. If it's not, I'm still Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor at this church. I mess that up every week. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're visiting with us, my name is Philip Brand, but if you're not visiting with us, I'm Anisis Vitegra something, 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 you know, spy from Russia or something like that, you know, something like that. Um, not making a political statement. Russia is just the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. <laughs> The Russians always are involved in the planning of these sermons. Um, <laughs> some level, somehow that's how that works, somehow. Yeah, so a little update um, on the uh, fundraiser that I, not the church, but I'm doing, helping get organized for the Baileys. We have 31 full-time, like all day, nine to five people. The uh, event is at Fisher River Park in Dobson. Um, we do need eight more Full day people, if you want to do that, write your name down on a communication card and hand that to me after the service. So that's it for the personal promo. Um, on to better news. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Amelia Parnell. Isn't it great? So she is, she is beautiful. I've not been able to hold that baby yet. That is going to happen this afternoon. I'm going to go see them. Um, they needed rest for a while um, after, after this event. So uh, they, they had a lot of rest, and now rest time is over. It's time to uh, go see a baby. You know, there are perks to this job, so that, that is one of them. Um, it, what makes me feel old is I've held kids for 11 years really 12, going on 12 in this church, and so most of the kids under the age of 12, I've actually held in the hospital that come to this church. It's pretty, pretty awesome, yeah, to see. It also makes you feel old once they get older, but nonetheless, um, she is here, and we're excited for them. Okay, that said, turning your Bibles to Numbers, Numbers chapter 1, the great, exciting, awesome book of Numbers, Numbers. Right, Chad? Chad, where's Chad at? Right? It's your favorite book in the Bible. Yeah, it is. Thrilling, thrilling book. Yeah. What that comes from is we were having a um, we were having an elders meeting about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I forget when, it's a blur. But um, Chad said, you know, when I get to all those genealogies and stuff, it's just kind of dry to me and numbers, I just don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, well, good news, there's a sermon series coming out of the book of... <laughs> Numbers here is really, yeah. So it was a fun time, fun time. All right, verse one says this. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Still not over that, <clears throat> that the Lord would speak to us. In the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. That is a key phrase. After they had come out of the land of Egypt. They'd actually been in Egypt 250 years. Um, we'll explain all that kind of in the future, but 250 years. And it started with Joseph bringing them down there. But they came out of the land of Egypt, saying, <clears throat> Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel. Now, what you need to know just right up front is 
it seems that at every turning point of the Israelites' um, history, there's been a census. Uh, in Genesis chapter 46, they had 70 people, okay, that went down to Egypt. And so here they're taking another census. And so at turning points, God seems to say, let's count some people, let's see where we are. Um, if you fast forward a little bit, and I'm not going to get into this much, I'm just going to mention it. David, King David, decided to do a census. The reason that that was a sin was because it wasn't a major turning point in Israel's history. So if you ever wondered about that, or if you ever play Bible trivia, there you go. So take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head. And verse 3 says, from 20 years old and upward in all of Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. So a few things. First of all, it's guys. They are creating a military presence is what they're trying to create. They're about to go into a land that God has promised them that would be theirs, but they need an army to do so. So they're going to count these men. Also want you to note that everybody under 20 is not counted. So all the guys up underneath 20, all the children are not counted. Also want you to note that you have to be able to go to war. So you have to be physically fit to go to war. So there's, there's a group of people that are older that aren't counted in this census. Okay? So go back to Genesis 46 where they came down to Egypt and they had 70. Just 70 people. Now, I want you to think about 250 years, okay? Put that in your mind. How many people in here are 100 years old? It'd be nobody, right? How many feel like you're 100 years, years, years old? Yeah. I recently, um, it seems like I'm always doing mulch at my house because I like abuse on my body um, and yeah, I felt, I felt old. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's 250 years. Now, I want you to fast forward through this text instead of reading all the way through it. And I want you to go to verse 46. 70, and then 250 years, and then we get to now. 46, verse 46. It says this, all those listed were 603, wait, 603,550. We have gone from 70 to 603,550 in 250 years. What you are probably already thinking, because you're smart, right, is that these are only men that are able to go to war. That means that there are more people in the nation of Israel than just 603,000. So you have all the children that are there, and you have all the older people, and then you have these men that have wives and possibly have children. So at this point, we are over 1.5 million people. Is everybody getting a picture? So here is... 70 people that went down to Egypt, there's 250 years where they were drinking Farmington Baptist water. 
And on this side of it, they have over 1.5 million people. How, I mean, I know how, but how, how does that even compute? And I will tell you this, it was a miraculous work of Almighty God. If you do the math from 70 to that point, there is no way that that happens in 250 years unless there's something supernatural happening. This going from 70 to 1.5 million people, somewhere around that or even more, is a miraculous work of God because God, back in Genesis, promised to Abraham that his descendants would number so many that you couldn't count them, and it would be like you would look at the stars. There would be so many descendants. And so God, in his sovereignty and in his will and in his way, multiplied this group of people from 70 to this amazing number in a very short period of time because he promised he would do it. I want you to know that God always keeps his promises. Always keeps his promises. Now, I also want you to realize that while God is keeping his promise to multiply this group of people, they are in what I would like to call slavery. They are being oppressed. Their living conditions are not exactly what good living conditions should be. They are working and working and working and working and making brick and making things for Pharaoh. They're being whipped at times. They're being pushed down at times. They are being looked down on every day of their life. They are second-class citizens in the land of Egypt. Everybody treats them like they're less than they really are. Is everybody tracking with me? But while they're feeling like they are second-class citizens and while they are in slavery and while they are having a very difficult time, God is still faithful to his promise of multiplying them to an amazing number. Here's the point. Whatever you go through in this life, and no matter how hard it is for you to go through it, and no matter how much you think that God is not involved in your pain, in your oppression, in the sadness, in the sickness in your stomach that you are going through, you can take it to the bank every day that you're feeling lonely, that you're feeling like nobody cares, that you're wondering if God is with you. You can take it to the bank that God is still keeping his promises for you. And he is also doing those promises in your pain. When you're feeling the pain, he's still working out his promises. When you're going through the tough stuff, he's still working out his promises. It is there. We oftentimes do not see that God is working in our pain. We often do not see that God is keeping his promises to us because in our mind, we shouldn't be going through this because we've been faithful to him. But the fact of the matter is, God is always keeping his promises to you, even when things are not going the way you want them to go. He is always at work, and the signs are always there. I just wonder how many people, Israelites, were like, okay, we had another one. Okay, 
we had another one. Okay, we had another one. Okay, we have another one. Okay, honey, we already have a tribe. Let's stop. You know what? I mean, I wonder, I wonder how many of them in the oppression actually thought that this was part of what God had promised them. I wonder how many of them just totally missed it. Do you know sometimes we miss the promises of God because of our pain, because of what we're going through, because it becomes all-encompassing in our minds? Have you ever been there? And you're just wondering if anything good is happening to you at all, right? And here this is this group of people that even while they were in pain, even while they were being oppressed, God was still keeping his promise. He was still multiplying them. He was still getting them ready to go into the promised land because God never, never breaks a promise. Now, how many of you know people who have broken promises to you? Wow, some of you have some good friends. How many of you know people that have broken promises to you? Everybody in this room, right? I know we're Baptists, we don't raise the hand. We should, but we don't, right? So yeah, everybody in this room, how many of you have broken promises to someone else? All of us. God isn't that way. You know, sometimes I think that we, we superimpose the humanness of ourself on God as if he could break a promise or he would, might leave us or he might not keep his word or he might not or he might not or he might not. And we superimpose our hurt and our pain from other people onto him and we start thinking of him as if he's human and he's really not human, he's God. I know Jesus is, so let's not get into that discussion. You know I believe that. But nonetheless, God is God. He's not going to break his promise. It's kind of hard to comprehend sometimes, isn't it? Especially when you're going through a very difficult time. It's hard to comprehend that there is a being out there that isn't somehow stabbing you in the back. Don't you? I just be open. I have trust issues <laughs> from time to time. I have trust issues. Why do I have trust issues? Because I've been... Sometimes the blades were wide. It felt like a, you know, daggum sword, you know, going through my back. Have y'all been stabbed in the back? Been stabbed in the back. And sometimes you just don't trust. It's hard to trust. I'm telling you this morning, you can always trust God. He always keeps his promises. So this brings us to what kind of promises are for us that we can take home with us that we know that God is going to do regardless of our particular situation. It might help us through some stuff that we're going through. What kind of promises? Well, we can say, well, um, there's going to be promises that we're going to be in heaven one day. We're going to see Jesus one day. I mean, there's promises there. But is there any other type of promises that we can kind of explore this morning that would help us out right now? I don't know about you, it is great, and I, I mean this with all my heart, that I'm going to heaven one day and everything will be taken care of, right? Everything will be set right, justice will be done. But, but what kind of promises can I hang on to now that really meets me where the rubber meets the road and, and that I can cling to during times that aren't so great? So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. 
Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want you to listen to these. It says this, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. A few things about about these. These are, in the Greek, announcements. It's an announcement. This is not a conditional statement. This isn't, I must be poor in spirit so that I can inherit the kingdom of God. This is not, I must mourn so that I can be comforted. This is not something that you go out and you actually seek to do in order to get these blessings. This is not what this is is about. These are announcements of promises that God is giving you about the kingdom of God. That's what this is. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Basically, what he's saying is the people that are poor in spirit, that feel like losers, that feel like they have lost everything, that they have nothing at all, where their spirit is broken, actually have something very significant. It's called the kingdom of God. So when you find yourself in a particular situation where your spirit is broken and where you're feeling sad and where, and where you feel like you're losing, like you feel like a loser, God is announcing to you this morning that even though you feel like you're losing, you're actually winning. Even though you feel like this is not for something that is very beneficial, you are actually living in victory when you feel like you're living in defeat. Because yours is the kingdom of God. You have the victory even when you feel like you're a loser. That's a promise. I know you're thinking about this. I know you're thinking about this. How many of you, just to kind of clarify my little announcement, and this isn't conditional, would be like, yeah, I really want to be poor in spirit. Could somebody just come up to me and just hit me? How many of you would like to volunteer to do that right now? You want somebody at the church to hit you so that you feel poor. How many of you would like right now want to volunteer to just come up right up here and you can choose anybody in the audience, right? And what you want them to do is right in front of the church, you want them to let you have it. Tell everything that you've done wrong this week, yell at you right in front of the church so that you can be poor in spirit so that you can inherit the kingdom of God. How many of you would like to do that? Exactly. 
Now, how many of you have actually been poor in spirit and felt like you were losing and you weren't getting anywhere and that the turn of events in your life was such that you were trying to make progress, but you couldn't make progress. You were kind of just doing this all the time and you just couldn't get up off the chair because somehow you were kind of, kind of stuck there. You felt like you were losing. Here's the announcement and the promise from God. You are not losing and you will never lose because you are part of the kingdom of God. Even this bad time, I am working out for my purpose, God says. Even this time where you feel broken, I am still fulfilling my promise in you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is good news. That is good news. Um. I meant to start this whole section with that Ray, Ray Stevens song. Have you ever heard Stuck on You? I'm Stuck on the Parent. Stuck. Okay. I'm not even, that's why God wanted me to continue to go on in the scripture. <laughs> you need to ask Alexa to play that song. It's absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Okay, now we're back. Sorry, Lord. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How many of you just look in the paper just to see what funeral you can go to next? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody in this room? Like you're like, man, I, I just need to mourn so I can be comforted. So, um, well, Bob died, and it's at Eaton, so I'll just go there. I'll go to the funeral. I'll cry a little bit so that I can be comforted. How many of you do that, right? No, 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 no. That, we don't. How many of you have mourned the death of a loved one? All of us. All of us have found ourselves in life in a moment where we're mourning the death of a loved one. But that's not the only place that we mourn. I have mourned, and I don't want you to mistake this, I have mourned many times in my marriage. She has too. There are times where you go up against each other and it hurts so bad that you mourn. Are you tracking? Because, I don't know, there's some people that might get married in the future, I hope so. Um, but I want you to know that it's not like a Cinderella thing where you live happily, happily ever after. Marriage is work. I mean, there's great times and it's awesome and it's rewarding, but there's also times where you mourn because you're hurting because somehow or another, that person from the opposite sex just doesn't understand me. They don't love me anymore. And so you kind of cry and pray and do all that kind of stuff and then you come back together and it's great, Right? But there's times that you find yourself in a situation where you're mourning, they don't understand me. There's times that your kids do stuff that you just are like, what are you, what, what are you doing? You got this from your mother-in-law. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. This is where this comes from. Good night, hello. Yeah. But you find yourself to where you're mourning something that they've done, and and it's, 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 it's a hurt that is inside. There is none of us that want to sign up for mourning. So God, in his sovereignty, has made a promise to you. And so he has announced it in the beginning of this, of this sermon here. And he says, when you don't feel blessed at all, you are blessed. Because you will be comforted. In our sad times when we let it out, there is comfort on the way. There is a strength that is coming on the way. There is something that's coming to help you through that 
time, we mourn. And the promise of God is, you will be comforted. So just look for it. I don't know about you, but when... When um, my dad recently had um, surgery, and he's, he's had a couple, every time I've been in that situation, and he's been in the hospital, there's times and days where you're like, he's doing really good, and so you're not mourning, right? And then the very next day, he's not doing so good, and then there's mourning going on. You know what I mean? And then the very next day, he's doing great, and then the very next day, he's not. And sometimes that Sometimes if you have somebody in the hospital that's doing bad, it, it's kind of good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, and you just feel like, ha, 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 excited, excited, excited. Listen, that's the promise of Almighty God. You mourn, you have a good day, you're blessed, you're comforted. Bad day, comforted. Bad day, comforted. Bad day, comforted. Because make no mistake If you have a good day in this life, God is a part of it. If you have a bad day in this life, God is a part of it. The blessing of feeling good because someone else is feeling good that you're closer to is part of that comfort. Comfort is always weaved through our pain. And then finally, at the end, you have a final comfort. You always do. So no matter what you're going through, God has promised to you this morning that there is comfort. And just like the children of Israel in slavery that are continuing to multiply because God is keeping his promises, God's going to keep his promises to his people, and he's going to comfort you through the pain. It's an announcement. Check this out. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How many of you wish that there was a simple solution to our governmental system to make everything right? Yes, yeah, me too. You know, part of that is, a, is, is something within your and my, my heart that says we want righteousness and justice to be done. There is a right and there is a wrong, and it seems like we do a lot of wrong and not a lot of right, and we just need to get back to the right. Somebody needs to set things straight, and it's kind of dissatisfying when we watch the news and we see the stuff that's happening, Right? because it doesn't seem like the right stuff is happening, that the wrong stuff is happening, and we desire it, and there's not really a satisfaction, right, in all of that. Here, Jesus makes this announcement, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They desire for things to be right, for they shall be satisfied. How many times is it weaved through our life, right, where where this decision is made in our, our community that, we're not really satisfied about, but then the next day, something is, something is made that we're really for. Um, let me give you one. We have been able to, to partner with Ms. Smith at North Davie Middle School to start a prayer time for students on Friday mornings. It's about every other week. There's a schedule to it. I can, we're going to announce that schedule lately. I think that's Amazing. We, we complain, we complain, we complain about prayer not being in the schools. We complain about Bibles not being, all that kind of stuff. Well, here's a moment where we're satisfied because, yes, there is a kid, okay, middle school kid, prayer time at North Davie Middle School every other week. Last, um, last spring when we were promoting this in the fuel thing, we had, we had nine people show up for the first two, nine, nine to 11 people show up for the first two. The first one this year 
had 25 kids. 25 kids. Yeah. And isn't it great that we can be satisfied at least with that little nugget? See, God... God isn't saying that all of this life is going to be awesome. What he is saying is, you desire righteousness, look for it. There's going to be comfort. There's going to be a baby. Are you tracking with me? You're going to go to work and and this is going to be hard and the pharaohs are going to hit you pretty hard and it doesn't seem like the governmental system is for you and nothing in this culture is for you, but then you have a baby because I'm keeping my promises. And our baby... It's prayer at North David Middle School. Are you tracking? So his announcement isn't that you must do this. It's when you're seeking and you're not satisfied. Look for the satisfaction because God has promised you that there will be elements of satisfaction all the way until the ultimate satisfaction. When the simple answer, the simple answer to the wrongs of the world, Jesus comes and he sets everything right. It's coming. Be satisfied with the little things and keep desiring things to be better. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Have you ever showed mercy to somebody and they just slapped you in the face? You continue to show mercy to people and they just kind of slap you in the face and you wonder, is it worth it to follow the Bible? Is it worth it to love this individual? Is it worth it to show mercy to this individual? Well, God announces, if you show mercy, you will receive mercy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is in this life. It's in this life, not in the next. Now, you can make an argument that salvation and getting into heaven is merciful. But you cannot make an argument that when I'm walking around the streets of gold praising Jesus that I need mercy at all. I don't know if you know this or not, but I, Philip Brand, am going to be perfect in heaven and I will never sin or say anything incorrectly and everybody will pronounce words correctly. (laughs) It's obvious to me that in heaven we don't speak English. Yes, thank you. I got a teacher. Yes, we do that. Please don't let it be English. Yeah. Look, I'm an American, but I'm telling you, English, it's the hardest language in the world. We're going to move on. We don't speak out. I'm going to be perfect. But here, you show mercy, you shall receive mercy. This is also tied to a promise that God says, or a proclamation that God says, what you sow, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. If you give mercy to people, people will give mercy back to you. Not everybody gives mercy back to you because some people get angry. They're not angry at you. They're angry because of something else, but they take out that anger on you. But nonetheless, you will receive mercy. It is worth it to give people mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We try our best to do our best. We try our best to walk the path. Here it says, here's a promise, you will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. How many times have you embarked to try to get peace in your family, to try to get peace in that relationship, to try to hold peace at your job, to try to hold peace, try to hold peace, and you, in your heart you want peace, but it just doesn't seem to happen, and you just feel like, oh my goodness, I just... It, 
peace is just not coming, but you really desire it here, it says, for they shall be called sons of God. See, when you're trying to keep peace, people call you all kinds of names. Come on. And you can think of some of those. Some of those I don't order normally, and I'm not going to say right here in church. But they're not nice. These things that people make up about you, and they try to identify you with these words. You need to realize that if your heart was to try to keep peace, and you're just trying to do it, you're trying to bring peace to a situation by approaching it. You're trying to bring peace to a situation by confronting it. You're trying to bring peace in that relationship. You need to understand that no matter what they say about you, God says that you are a son and daughter of God. That is who you are. Come on. So I don't care what you say. Sticks and stones break my bones and words does hurt me, but I'm a son of God and that doesn't. That doesn't. Here's another promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're persecuted, you still have something. If everything's taken away from you, you still have something. And then here's, here's an awesome one. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. If I was to ask right now, I'm sure every hen in the room, if you've ever had anybody lie about you. And then we could take it one step further. Has anybody ever lied about you and then other people believed it as truth? I'm not sure which one hurts worse. Are you? Which one hurts worse? Is it the one that, you know, you know is already upset with you and, and they're, they're saying stuff about you? stuff that they shouldn't say about you, they're saying it to other people, you kind of expect it from the person that you have conflict with, right? But then when they spread it to people that have been your friends for a long period of time, and in a skinny minute, instead of considering all the years that you've had in friendship and all the good that has been done, this one joker who decides to speak bad about you, this person jumps onto it and they totally turn around and they turn their back on you, and they begin to stab you. Are you tracking with me? People that call you, revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil, this is what God says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Okay. I would like a reward right here. I would like all the lies and all the lies that the people believe about me to be kind of rectified and I would like everybody to believe the truth rather than the lies and I would like that truth to come to the forefront and I would like that to be what people believe and this person that started spreading the lies about me, I would like them like justice happening and, but, but they've taken stuff from me now because of their words and they've taken this, they've taken that, they've taken this set of friends, they've taken, they've taken this, I've lost this, I've lost that, I've lost all this kind of stuff but, but if, if, I could have a reward now like, um, like a car wreck for them or, come on. Am I the only human person here? Or if they could just lose something significant to themselves, you know, or if they could be in financial distress or if I could just see for a moment 
that there is judgment on what they are doing because they are living incorrectly. If I could just have that, that would be a reward. But God says, look, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Rejoice. Rejoice when people attack you with their words. Rejoice when people are against you. Rejoice because that person doesn't have a reward in heaven, but you do. Come on, people. That person is acting like the devil incarnate, but you do not have to. You can stand as a Christian and love like God wants you to love and be the light God wants you to be because you will be rewarded for standing under that pressure, for not breaking and for not becoming a devil yourself. Amen? You endure it. It is almost like you take up your cross and follow Jesus and he rewards that. It's almost like Jesus is telling us the Christian life is not going to be something that's easy to live out. It's going to be kind of difficult at times when you take a stand. It's going to be difficult. And you're going to feel like you're losing. And you're going to feel like your stand is something that you shouldn't have taken and you're gonna feel shaky and you're gonna feel like maybe this wasn't worth it to stand for this biblical principle. Maybe it wasn't worth it. But Jesus is proclaiming you, I'm making you a promise. You stand firm regardless of how you feel and how much is thrown at you. You stand firm because your reward in heaven will be great. I am with you. I am with you, Jesus says. I am with you. I am with you. And if you were to sum up all of these little beatitudes and promises into one thing, Jesus is just telling us today that no matter what we go through in life, he is with his people. And honestly, I don't care who else is with me. If I have Jesus I need nobody else. Come on. If I have Jesus, I need nobody else. So, just like God kept his promises during the time of slavery to the children of Israel, he's going to keep his promises to you. He's always going to be with you. And there are blessings in your pain. Look for them and be comforted. Amen? Let's pray.